We left off on page 144, and we we're looking at the proof of the reception of not only um, the gospel and the approval of the gospel, but the Holy Spirit as well, as you're thinking through um, Cornelius and Peter. But well, we're in Acts chapter 10, and I believe we left off at verse uh, 45 thereabouts. So if you're looking on the top of the previous page, 143, uh, we see the reaction uh, of the Jews that were with Peter uh, to the reception of the gospel. And I imagine you're sitting in this this room with these Gentiles. Peter got the message they didn't. And so I'm sure he he talked to them along the way. But uh, what validation this would have been, right, that the Gentiles are actually receiving the Holy Spirit just like the Jews did. Uh, So they get to see this in real time. But pick it up in verse 44, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, what words? Remember, he spoke generally concerning the elements of the gospel and all that they needed to believe. The Holy Spirit fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as Peter, uh, as came with Peter, Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, uh, which have received the Holy Spirit as well? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed uh, they him to tarry with them certain days. And so we'll wrap up here, uh, I believe, today with chapter 11. But again, uh, emphasis should be brought to the fact that uh, this audience is here and they did not receive the vision that Peter received. Remember, Peter's uh, whole perspective had to be changed by God coming down and allowing him to see this vision, which showed to him and testified along with all of the other events that there is no distinction. There is no wall of difference between Jew and Gentile anymore. We're all a part of the same thing, and they're getting to see this happen in real time. So let's bow in a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day and uh, grateful for the opportunities that you provide us. That uh, On a daily basis, we get to be uh, ones that live out uh, what it means to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, uh, to have a position in your Son, Jesus Christ, and to Uh, be able to operate from that on a day-to-day basis. And uh, we're grateful to see the foundation uh, that was laid for that uh, and see it through the eyes of these that that saw it first and and got to experience it at the very start, uh, but then appreciate how much different it is for us now uh, because of the things that have been perfected in Christ. And so we're grateful for that. We pray as we uh, read through and uh, have an appreciation for these things that uh, uh, laid the foundation for us, that we would uh, be more inspired in our daily lives to, to bring glory to you through our thoughts and actions. Uh, for it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, and so um, going to page 144 and uh, point B, uh, and this is all under the uh, header uh, of the reaction of the Jews. So we saw uh, in verse 45, that they were described, these Jews, as the ones out from the circumcision. But remember, these are the ones that came with Peter uh, from Joppa. And so they had been uh, hanging out with him there, and now they get to, to experience uh, more uh, through this conversion of the, the Gentiles. 
and get to be witnesses to that as well. But where we left off is in verse 46, where you see this proof of the reception uh, of the Holy Spirit. And so not only did they see that this gospel message was delivered to these Gentiles, just like it had been at the start to the Jews in Jerusalem, they get to see proof that they are actually ones that believe. Now, remember, uh, you don't actively see in this context any of these uh, people in this household of Cornelius saying, yes, we believe. No, you see action, right? You see the gospel given, you see the Holy Spirit come, and you see that validated by uh, their speaking in tongues, just as they had, I'm sure, saw on the day of Pentecost. They were, uh, I would believe they were likely among those ones that uh, saw everything happen uh, at that time. And so the speaking in tongues in verse, in verse uh, 45, it says, and they out from the circumcision which believe were astonished. I'm actually supposed to read verse 46, but I'll continue on. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God, uh, then answered Peter, uh, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit? And so the speaking in tongues and magnifying of God in, in a different language was proof of the fact that the Holy Spirit had been received. In verse 47, we see the suggestion uh, for baptism. And so uh, is baptism needed in order to have the Holy Spirit come upon you? I suggest to you in this context, no, right? They've already received the Holy Spirit. And so after that, they are baptized. Now, this kind of flies in the face of the doctrine of some which say baptism is necessary for salvation, right? Uh, all of these elements of salvation happen behind the scenes. And I think this is the clearest picture you can see of this, right? They heard the facts of the gospel. They believed the facts of the gospel. The Holy Spirit fell on them and they spoke with tongues and then they were baptized. It's a, a, a general order. And I don't believe baptism to be necessary for anything other than to signify that you're in alignment with the spiritual elements of what has already happened through the Holy Spirit. And so I think this, this clearly states this in this context. And so there's a realization uh, that baptism should happen. And there's an understanding that Cornelius, uh, his whole household is on equal footing uh, with these, these Jews in verse 47. And so then in verse 48, we see uh, a command come from uh, uh, Peter. And so this word for uh, command is not really our word uh, that is used for command. And I should have looked this word up. I didn't. Um, if, uh, Brother Don or, or the pastor want to add elements to that word. Uh, verse 48, uh, 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 uh this word for uh, command. You have a, uh, any note for that word? I could look it up in Bible works real quick, I guess. <laughs> but uh, this command, we'll wait for Brother Don to look that up. But while he does, um, he's, he's saying that they should be baptized. And the suggestion is given uh, here for physical baptism that aligns with the spiritual uh, baptism that's already taken place. Uh, and so what is this? This is a positional identification with who they now are uh, in Christ. Go with me over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you guys know by now, since this is uh, not in your notes. Uh, yeah, 
without a coupon. You don't even need a coupon for it. <laughs> uh, but in verse 11, it says, but all these things. So he's talking about the spiritual gifts that are given and provided uh, uh, to people and how the operation of the different persons of the Godhead are involved in this uh, operation and use of your spiritual gifts. And so in verse 11, he says, but all these things works the one and selfsame spirit. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Dividing to every man severally as he will. For as by uh, as the body is one and hath many members, all and all the members of that body uh, or one body, excuse me, uh, being many are one body. So also is the Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been made all to drink into one spirit. And so this is what they're experiencing here, right? The unity that comes from being in Christ and being placed into Christ through spirit baptism. And here's a, a perfect example of that division that there used to be, right? As you look at Peter and you look at these Jews and how they were brought up, that there should be complete separation. And we talked about the fact, too, that this is more tradition than it is the law, right? But they're saying there should be complete separation between Jew and Gentile. This is completely being destroyed at this moment. This is confirmation of the work that was already done by Jesus Christ, where he tore down that middle wall of partition or separation between Jew and Gentile. And so they're able to experience it here. And not just Peter. If one person had been the testimony to this, what would that have been? Peter could go to the Jews and say, you know what? God has made it uh, possible for us to go into the house of the Gentiles. And they would have said, if you lost your mind, Peter, they're going to question him anyway. Right. But here you have the opportunity that not just him, you see others have seen this as well. So as he's testifying to it, they can also say, hey, we were there and we saw the Holy Spirit come down on these people. Uh, and, and you're going to see that in chapter 11. Uh, but the pastor did find this word uh, for command here. It has the idea of uh, to arrange towards uh, literally uh, and, and figuratively it's to enjoin or so to bring two things together. Say, come on together with me and let's go in this direction. And so what are they talking about here with baptism? You come join together with me and let's baptize you to signify what's already taken place in the spirit. And you see that uh, back in chapter 10. And so going back to chapter 10 and verse 48. And we see this word uh, for command is the one we're talking about. Oh, you want to take that? <laughs> no, no, you're good. <laughs> So protasso is the, the, the root of that word. Uh, uh, and so we see it there. Um, real quick, let me see something here. Uh, and that bring out the, the flavor of that word just a bit. Yes. Uh, according to Greens, it means to place or arrange in front, to assign beforehand or foreordain. Protasso? There you go. So you have more, more flavor given to that word. Yeah. And it, it, I really should have done some more work on that word because uh, you have your word hupatasso, which is, is similar, but it's not the same. Yeah, this is, this is tasso is the center place. So you put the preposition on top of it, in front of it, and it makes it before to it. Before, before arrange or before ordain. Beforehand, yeah. correct. Beforehand. 
I'm going to get a couple more verses here that we can look up for that word in real time. So uh, go with me over to 46. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the ones that popped up. Go with me over there to Acts 17.26. We also had it used earlier in this context of chapter 10. And when we go back, we'll, we'll hit that one. Uh, but Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. And uh, just to get a little context here, this is Paul appearing on Mars Hill, right? And he's going to uh, give his little dissertation. Uh, <laughs> you have all of these intellectuals who are sharing information often, and he's going to come and share some, some information himself. And uh, some would say it was successful. I would say it fell flat. <laughs> it was a, uh, a big disappointment. Uh, but verse 22, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made by hands. Neither is he worshipped by men or with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth life or, or to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men uh, for to dwell on the face of the earth and have determined the times uh, before appointed, there's our word there, and the, the bounds of their habitation, uh, uh, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they may fill after him and find him, though he be not uh, far away from every one of us. Uh, and so you see here, God set forth the bounds, uh, or he, he set forth or before appointed here, he arranged everything beforehand. And so uh, here it's, it's used in a slightly different way than you see it used in chapter 10, but you see that idea of setting up something beforehand. And so here, uh, Peter, as he's talking to Cornelius in the household, he set up beforehand that this action of baptism can take place uh, after. And so uh, going back to chapter 10, we see that uh, in verse 33 of chapter 10. And I told you we'd we'd hit that one, too. Um, and it's translated commanded in this context, too. Um, but go back just a little bit to verse 29. It says, uh, Therefore came I uh, unto you without gainsaying, uh, as soon as I was sent for, uh, I asked therefore for one in, what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago I fast, uh, was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are uh, had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither. Uh, Simon, whose surname is Peter, who he is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. Now, therefore, uh, are we all present before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God? And so all the things that have been set before for God for us to hear right now. Right. And so God appointed or arranged for all of these things to happen uh, and to take place. And so as we go for to verse 48, you see the way it's used here, you would think he's saying, oh, do this or else. right? <laughs> do this baptism or else all of that spiritual stuff that was done. 
didn't take place. No, I'm, I'm being a little facetious with that, but he's saying that, no, this is an opportunity for you to do these things in alignment with what spiritually has already taken place, right? And so these things that were set forth, and so he says he commanded, uh, or really he uh, set forth, I would say, beforehand for them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Uh, and so getting back to the notes, we see physical baptism again aligns with spiritual baptism and positional identification is essential uh, to baptism of the individual. Now, the residence uh, of Peter and uh, with Cornelius is also a view in this context as we see he remains with them. Right. He doesn't just go over there, be baptized. He stays with them. And this becomes very essential to what's going to happen in chapter 11, because he's going to come into question with the Jews, because why? He not only entered into the house of a Gentile, he ate with them and oh, he stayed at their house. How could he do such things? Well, we're going to see in chapter 11 uh, their response to this. And so that brings us to chapter 11. I trust that uh, you guys do have this page. Do you have uh, pages 145 and 146? Did I give you those pages? Oh, okay. Well, oops. <laughs> Um, so we'll have to print you guys off these. I can go ahead and start doing it now if someone wants to go back there and grab them. Emma. Oh, the joys of technology. Where will we be without it? <laughs> better off. <laughs> better off. <laughs> uh, okay, there it goes. All right, so you guys should have those soon, and you won't be late because I don't think we'll get to those notes before. Um, they're printed. So here we are. Um, let me find my place again. Okay, and so in uh, chapter 11, we've entered into a new chapter. Look at the smoke. We're, we're, we're making ground here, guys. Uh, so in uh, verses uh, 1 of chapter 11 through uh, 12 and 25 is going to be this next section, and this is point D of your overall notes. And so through the continuous of persecution, we see the Holy Spirit manifested uh, uh, with these believers. And so uh, the first cluster here is in verses 1 through 17. We see the questioning of Peter's actions by the Judeans. And so let's read uh, in verses 1 through 17, and then we'll come back through and break it down. It says in verse 1, And the apostles of, and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up into Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them? But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it uh, by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision 
A certain vessel descended as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw a four-footed beast of the earth, or four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay, and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for not, nothing common or unclean hath uh, at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from uh, heaven, what God hath cleansed, that uh, called not thou uncommon. Uh, I want to put an un on the front of there for some reason. Uh, verse 10. And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were, uh, were three men already come unto the house where I was sent uh, from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me uh, go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the, the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, uh, send me or send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee uh, words whereby thou and all thy house uh, shall be saved. And I began to speak the whole as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them uh, as on uh, us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? And so what a what a great answer to these that are questioning. Now, these are not uh, ones I think these are believers. And he says brethren there at the beginning. These are not ones that are unreasonable like you see most of the Jews. These are simply ones that have not understood yet what God is doing now. And so they get the opportunity to see God is not operating mostly with Israel like he was before. And this time he's doing something different. Right. And all of these have been brought into one. And we're going to see that here. And so in verses one through three, we see the source of this questioning or, or the source and uh, question uh, that arises concerning Peter uh, eating with these Gentiles. And so verse one shows us the knowledge of the reception of the Gentiles. And so it says there in the uh, apostles and brethren uh, that were in Judea heard that uh, the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now, they've heard two things. There were uh, a few people that were in this house of Cornelius that could have spread the word out. Right. It wasn't just Peter. We talked about that. There's these guys that came with him. And they're going to help to get the word spread of what's happened. So this word works its way all the way back uh, to Jerusalem. And so who are the recipients of this word? It's the apostles and the brethren, which were at Judea. So you're taking into account not just uh, uh, these brethren that were there, but the other apostles. Right. They weren't all there. And so as you think back to these uh, uh, 11 that were mentioned in chapter one of Acts, uh, those all weren't there to see this take place. So they're learning just like Peter learned that God is doing something different, right? They've been brought up in the same understanding that you're supposed to be completely separate uh, from the Gentiles. And so in verses two through three, we see the response of those out from the circumcision. We talked about this term uh, being utilized, and it's an interesting one. 
that looks at the distinctiveness of the Jews from the Gentiles, right? This circumcision is, is common to people now, but this used to be something that separated Jews from Gentiles. Uh, and you see that. I think, uh, as I remember back to my, my history of Germany, this was one of the things they used to do to find out that people were Jews, right? To go around and inspect them. It's a little crude for this setting, but they, they would see, hey, who, who are these people? Are they really Jew or are they uh, German? And so uh, you see that distinctiveness of those out from the circumcision. Uh, in verse 2, we see that uh, this was questioned upon Peter's entry to Jerusalem. And so, remember, he had been up in Joppa for a while. Then he went over here to where uh, Cornelius is. And now he's going back down to Jerusalem. And as soon as he enters, what happens? They have questions uh, for him regarding his, his activities there uh, um, on his travels. Um, and so in verse 2, it says, And when Peter uh, was come into, or really they're up to, how uh, uh, the pastor has talked about this in, in our studies through First uh, Corinthians, I believe, but um, Jerusalem is always seen as up. It doesn't matter what direction you're coming from. You could be coming south, but you're going up to Jerusalem. Anybody want to gather to understand why that might be? There you go. <laughs> it's on the hill. So you're always going up to Jerusalem. Uh, and so um, they were come... Uh, or. They that were out from the circumcision contended with them. And so in verse three, we see uh, that the questions are of Peter's company with Cornelius. And so uh, uh, they distinguish these as being uncircumcised. And so you see that difference between the, uh, the two of them. And it's emphasizing, again, the distinctiveness of the Gentiles, that they're uh, not circumcised. They are not part of the covenant made with Abraham. Uh, and why are you eating together with them? And it illustrated or is illustrating the feelings of uh, Peter's perceived uh, violation of Jewish tradition. Now, not only is he seen to have uh, gone into the house of, of Gentiles, but he is seen to uh, they emphasize the fact that he ate with them. Right. And this word here for eating with them has the idea of not just eating food together. This is more what we do on the first of every month. Right. The first Sunday of every month we dine together, we fellowship together, we have oneness with one another as we eat. So it's more than just the food and filling your belly. This is identifying and associating with people through eating. This is what is done in America more, more times than not. You social eat in America, right? Most people around the world eat just to eat and to fill their belly. It's not some social event. We have all of these events revolving around food in America. And so this is really it illustrates what they're looking at here. You're not just having food with these people. You are sharing something in common with these people. And this is a no-no, right, as you're, you're looking at Jewish tradition. Uh, top of page 145. Uh, and so this, this word here, I, I translated the dining of persons together for the purpose of not just eating, but social interaction. And we see this word used in a few different places that we want to hit on. Uh, over in Luke chapter 15 and verse 2, it's used of the outrage of the Pharisees and scribes. Sound familiar? <laughs> at the Lord, uh, dining with sinners. Not and the Lord, but at the Lord, uh, dining with sinners. Luke chapter 15 and verse 2.
Okay, and it says in verse one, then drew near, uh, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners uh, for to hear him. Now these are different out from uh, groups here. The publicans has the idea of these tax collectors, right? And they're seen as sinners, not just for the fact that they collect taxes, but for the fact that they cheated in a lot of their collection of taxes. Now, we, we might look in America and say these that collect taxes are all sinners here, right? <laughs> they are not sinners if they are collecting taxes lawfully. Uh, these were actually doing crooked acts. <laughs> I'm not going to get into everyone's political <laughs> beliefs there. Um, but these these guys were actually doing crooked actions in the collecting of taxes, so they were widely known as as wrong, right, in what they were doing, not just because they were collecting taxes. Uh, but sinners, this category of all kinds of other people, right, that had all kinds of other sins, and we've seen that uh, the Lord did not uh, restrain himself from going unto these kind of people, right? And here it is again. In verse 2, it says, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. <gasps> Again, how dare he? <laughs> how could the God of the universe go unto these sinners? And what does he say uh, in verse 3? And he spake uh, this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety uh, and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost? Uh, until he find, finds him. And we can go uh, much more into that, but he's saying these people need him, right? There's a purpose for why he's going to these publicans and sinners, because he's trying to bring back those that are lost. And uh, these are, uh, uh, or this is clearly stated here, uh, despite their outrage. First uh, Corinthians chapter five and verse 11, we see this uh, word here for eating or dining used with uh, of the prohibition from Paul to the Corinthian saints and dining with brothers that are in sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. Pick it up in verse 8. He says, uh, Therefore, let us not keep the feast, uh, not with old leaven, or let us keep the feast, excuse me, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of, of certainty, or sincerity, excuse me, and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, uh, or with the idolaters. For then must you needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or railer or drunkard or extortioner with such a one, no, not even eat. For what have I to do with uh, to judge them also that are uh, without? Do not ye judge them that are within. Uh, and so here you see uh, the outsiders, a pastor, I think, did a, a study on this uh, many years ago. But looking at these outsiders, those are that are outside of the body of Christ. Right. <laughs> Sounds like a good movie title. The, the outsiders. <laughs> uh, 
You shouldn't be worried about what it is that they're doing, but the ones that are a part of the body, here's that judging word, right? <laughs> You're supposed to be judging or distinguishing between their actions when they're in open sin. He says, well, such a one, no, not even eat. So you got a brother within the church that is involved in open sin. Should you be just co-signing to everything that he's doing and eating in a social standing with this brother without telling him, hey, you're wrong for what you're doing. And in the context here, you're looking at the Corinthian church, who is what? They were identifying closely together with this man who has this sin going on with his, his uh, father's wife. Or <laughs> I almost called him his, his mother. There. <laughs> no, his father's wife. I think there was some distinction between uh, that, maybe his stepmother or whatnot. But uh, you see this attitude here they should be having toward him is not just to, to shame him, but to bring before him hey, what you're doing is not right, right? And so they shouldn't be uh, continuing on in normal action with this, this guy. Um, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 12, we see this is used of the hypocrisy of Peter uh, and dining with, then withdrawing from the Gentiles uh, due to pressure from the Jews. So here we see something different. I believe this occurred uh, after where we're reading now. Uh, but Paul is going to call out Peter because... He knows what's right, as we're seeing it play out here in Acts. He knows what God has said concerning the Jews and the Gentiles, and he's going back against what he knows to be true because of pressure from the Jews. Uh, he was willing to stand up against them here, uh, not so much a little bit later. Uh, pick it up in verse uh, 11. It says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain uh, came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, filling, fearing them which were, here's that term again, out from the circumcision. And other Jews dissembled likewise uh, with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with his, uh, really here, the word for hypocrisy, right? And so uh, what is... Uh, the reason that you call people out. Uh, I don't believe in, in believers just being on the hunt for other believers that are doing things wrong, right? You have some believers that think, boy, I just got to be always on the lookout watching what everybody else is doing. And when I catch you, oh, oh I got you. It's time to go after that person, right? No, that's, that's <laughs> preposterous. It's not the way that believers should operate. But you don't want to go to the other extreme where you're ignoring things that are obvious, right? People are doing things and, and, and openly doing things in the body. And you're just saying, oh, not my business. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved there. Well, Paul, he saw something that was occurring here that needed to be brought to uh, his attention. Right. And that's loving the brethren, I think, because in this situation where Peter is doing this, he's not only affecting himself. You see, other believers were carried away with his hypocrisy. Right. He's an apostle. He's theoretically doing things right and supposed to be setting the tone for other people. And yet he's doing the exact opposite of what we've seen God has called to be done. And so Paul calls him out openly, says, hey, before you were willing to eat with Gentiles and you were willing to associate with them. And now you're just acting like coward Peter again. Right. It's popped up like this girl back in the Gospels where she said uh, you were with them. No, 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 it wasn't me. That Peter, uh, again, has reared his ugly head, and we see it here. Uh, but also over in uh, Acts chapter 10, 
and verse 41, uh, going back to the context, uh, and we see uh, this word used for dining there uh, was used with reference to uh, Cornelius and his household as Peter is with them. Acts chapter 10 and verse 41. And I have this note here. Um, and it says there, uh, not to all the people, uh, well, go back just a little bit. Uh, verse uh, 39, and this is Peter speaking to Cornelius. He says, and we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God hath raised up uh, the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And so what were these apostles able to do or the, all of the witnesses really of his resurrection or many of them, they were able to dine with him and associate with him uh, fully. And so they are uh, full witnesses that he uh, was alive after the fact. Now, I have a note here in this context, the implication of entering into the house of Cornelius are not only a violation of restrictions in the traditions and of intimate interactions with Gentiles, but also uh, the potential for eating and putting of pudding or pudding of the perception of eating foods in violation with the law of Moses. So what what would a Jew think if you went into the house of a Gentile? They don't eat the foods that we eat. Right. So not only did you go into this house, but you were likely eating foods that that you should not have been eating. And Peter is going to have to clarify for them how God has now uh, made a difference or a distinguishment uh, between uh, these things. Uh, going back to your notes in point two, we see the response of Peter in verses four through 17. But we are at time, so you'll have to come back next week to hear this. Well, what a good cliffhanger there. <laughs> I set that one up perfectly. All right. <laughs> verses four through 17 next week. Uh, we'll see the response of Peter. And what is he going to do? He's going to lay out cleanly. He, he doesn't really state his case. He doesn't really advocate for himself. He simply says what happened and leaves it for them to decide. He doesn't say, oh, my gosh, you guys, you're out of control. God has told me to do this. No, he just outlines simply what happened. And we're going to see that that's enough uh, to win these believers over. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for this day and uh, grateful again that uh, you clearly show us what we need to see uh, concerning how to operate in this life. Uh, we see it in the uh, Acts of the Apostles. We see it in uh, each one of their different epistles as they are uh, outlining uh, the things that uh, you've shown them. That it, it is clear uh, to us if we will allow uh, for the Holy Spirit to lead us. He will lead us into proper action. And so we pray that uh, we would all uh, be absolved of those things that are important to us, those uh, directions that we want to go, uh, but that we would be fully given over to what you desire for us to do. Uh, for it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.